intuition is sort of informed by all the like the knowledge that you have accumulated and at a certain point that knowledge become i don't know second nature and if you go back you can analyze like think it back to what you're doing but i, I really like keeping it intuitive and acupuncture is an art i'm michael max and this is geological the problem with the idea of perfection is that it's just that an idea. Things break all the time. It's the natural order of things. They break because the world is full of entropy and eventually headed for something that looks like the fuzz on a TV set after the broadcasting hours, if you're old enough to remember that. And if you're not, what I've got to say about things breaking is all the more germane because we have lost the cycles of rest and activity with that fiber optic wire that delivers a pixelated image of the world to your computer. But that image isn't the world. All things break in time. They break because we didn't build it right in the first place, or because unforeseen circumstances intervene, or perhaps it was built right and solid too. But that technology or way of doing things, it's fallen out of favor. Recently, I had a weekend of computer glitches and crossed wires these digital hiccups are annoying and they can be embarrassing to boot and they take time from something I'd rather be doing. But to steal a phrase from our current commander-in-chief, it's an opportunity to build back better. When things break, when relationships go amok, when your business model day by day takes you further from the feelings that you'd like to inhabit at work, or you found that the air quotes here improvement you've made makes you want to burn the entire enterprise down. That is a moment worthy of a long, deep pause. Especially if you're caught up in a cycle of blame or anger. There is an idea in software development that you want to create the minimal viable product. And the reason for that is because you don't know what your customer is actually going to want. You can imagine what they might want or do focus groups that are bound to determine some middle gray that is sure not to offend or anger anybody. But that also means that surprise and delight will not be part of the DNA of your offering. This process known as agile development leans strongly on attending to how things break or don't work as a way to hone in on what customers really want. You put something out there in the world, and then you listen to the feedback you get. This is a fantastic skin-in-the-game way of paying attention to what people really want. And it feels like failure every time someone rings you up with that complaint. But this is exactly what drives the process forward. It's a tempering and refining process, not unlike that fire, percussion, and quenching that goes into making Damascus steel. And this is how we learn our craft as well. We diagnose what seems to be happening with a patient and then send a signal to the body with a treatment. The feedback lets us know what needs to happen next. Being a doctor isn't for the faint of heart. With every patient encounter, we have the opportunity to see if we're on the mark. Regardless of whether we got it right or not, there's an opportunity to learn something. Years ago, one of my teachers said, 
you can say you really understand an Herber formula when you've used it and it worked and when you've used it and it hasn't. And in both cases, you know why. This is how you grow your personal catalog of experience. This is where resiliency without hubris and confidence without bluster comes from. Our misunderstandings break. Our blind spots trip us up. Our inflexibility reveals where a softer, more limber stance can be helpful. Things break. So do our ideas about how things work as our experience invites us to agilely learn from our patients as we course correct our way to a solution for them. Not only will the corrections make you a more resilient practitioner, keep pushing those edges and you'll wind up downright anti-fragile. Happy Western New Year and welcome to the first geological conversation of 2020. Rolling up here soon is Year of the Tiger, the Chinese Lunar New Year, the Spring Festival, coming up in just a few weeks. Learning is such an essential aspect of the practice of medicine. We've signed up for class with a live lab every day we go to work. The process is endless, and that's the good news, because it means other aspects of our lives will surely benefit from that sense of enlivenment that comes from learning. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of the solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. 
and tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Meiwei.com. This season and every season, trust Meiwei Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code CHEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. The subject of learning is the tinder for today's conversation with Atim Samach, who is a teacher of Chinese medicine in Quebec Province, Canada. We explore medicine, music, that slipstream flow that allows us to engage with the learning process, and how it changes us. Let's get into this conversation with a team. Etienne Samach, welcome to Geological. Welcome to you, Michael. Pleasure to be there. I am happy to be talking to you voice to voice. We have had some email conversations over, I'm going to say, the past year or so. Probably the past year, some around that. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And sometimes I just like to take an email conversation like the one that we've had and sit down for a podcast conversation and just see what happens. All right. Let's see what happens. Let's do. It's going to be fun. I think it will be fun. It usually is. Exploration is fun. Talking Chinese medicine is fun. Talking Chinese medicine is very fun. I suspect it is especially fun for you because you teach this stuff and you have to be able to enjoy talking about it to some degree. I have to be able to stand up in front of folks and, and talk about it. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, but I'm curious, what took you into being a teacher of Chinese medicine? There are so many of us that practice, and we might even have a lot to say, but we just never get out of our clinics. Mm-hmm. What took you to teaching? Uh, family, I must say. Not my parents, but all my uncles and grandmother, everyone is a teacher in my family. So it's always been, uh, I don't know, in the blood and somewhere in the family. Mm-hmm. Everything I did in my life, I end up teaching it. So I play guitar, I taught guitar, I do martial arts, I do kung fu. I end up teaching kung fu for a few years. And then i doing acupuncture. What do you know? A few years later, I end up uh, teaching it. Uh, I'm still learning it, actually. Like learning every day, of course, like probably everyone for like all their lives, which is a good thing. 
but yeah, I'm just ending up beginning as a teacher assistant when when they they needed me to help the teacher, and then a few years later, uh, here I am, job opening, and I got it. You're the teacher, you know. I can't remember where I heard this. It was years ago. Somebody saying to me, "If you really want to understand something, teach it to someone else." Mm, of course, I learned so much. I feel like I'm doing all the class from the other perspective. I did all the class from a student perspective. I understand a little bit of what was going on. And then having to teach them, it's like the the mind just expands. Oh, that's what he was. I can refer to patient that I know. I can refer to things I tried in clinic. And it's like, oh, now I understand what they mean by that. It's humbling, actually. I'm at the point that I'm beginning to think that I know what I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. When we end school, it's like, yeah, I'm doing everything and I know everything. It's like, no, you just know. I have found medicine, the practice of medicine, to be incredibly humbling. It is. Because sometimes it'll be going really well, but it doesn't mean it's going to continue to go well. In fact, I could do a treatment and have the person come back and say something like, well, I've started not sleeping, and I've had nightmares every night since I saw you last. That to happen. <laughs> and so, you know, we're constantly learning. We're supposed to be the ones who, I'm using air quotes here, know something. Oh, well. And we do to some degree. But that unknown is always just nipping at our heels. Mm-hmm. And that's why there can be any recipe when we treat people. Because everyone reacts differently to treatment. I must say, I have a lot of experience knowing or learning what not to do to a patient. Because mm-hmm. that's actually when we learn like, oh, not doing that on that patient anymore. Yes. And <laughs> probably not the next one too. <laughs> well, on occasion, I've had patients and they'll ask me, you know, does acupuncture work? How do I know it works? And then I'll have a treatment go particularly poorly and make something worse. <laughs> and I'll just say to them, well... Proof positive acupuncture does something. It did really does something. <laughs> I actually like when patients, like the first, either it's the, the, the like husband of a patient, she, try it, you'll see. And the patient is like, I really don't believe in your stuff, but my wife sent me, so mm-hmm. do something. So either way, anyway, it's fun because I get to talk a bit about what I do just so, just so they know that I know my stuff a little bit. Like they end up winning. Either their condition will get better or either they will have won an argument with their wife saying acupuncture doesn't work for them. So they win. They win either way. Yeah, yeah they win either way. <laughs> and most of the time it ends up working anyway. <laughs> they get better or their wife stops bothering them about it. Well, <laughs> one other two things. Usually they get better. I stopped taking appointments from girlfriends and wives who call to make an appointment for the man in their life. Mm, yeah, me too. I just stopped taking those appointments because it never goes well if the guy even shows up. Yeah, yeah. if I do that, it's like the guy I have to orator, like the people they refer to me, they have to make the call themselves. Exactly. It's like, doesn't know how to use a phone? Have him yeah. call me. No, I like them to tell me they want to be in the treatment room, just not being obliged to be there. They want to be there. They want to know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. On the patient, depending on the relation, but on some of those that have quite a sense of humor a little bit, I know that I can just play with them. 
I usually refer to a metaphor I, I have that comes from martial arts. It's like if I punch you in the face, whatever the technique or you believe it or not, it's going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing as acupuncture. I poke the needle, you're going to feel something, it's going to work. It's not me. It's just going to work. It's just going to work. One of my teachers, I, I remember this from when I was in school, a patient asks him, do I need to believe in this for it to work? And my teacher replies to him, I don't even need to believe in it for it to work. I just have to know where and how to put the needles in. Exactly. I'm actually surprised in clinic. Probably happens to you too. People arrive with something we never saw before in our lives. I was like, I don't know. I'll try. Like, can you help me? My first answer is, I don't know. We'll try. Let's see what, let's see what happens. So we just analyze with is it yin, is it yang, too much, too little, not sure of the words in English, sorry, uh, and try to make up a treatment around there, poke the needle, and hey, first thing you see, it's, it's working. If we have the diagnosis right, if we really have differentiated, is it excess or deficiency, which is my favorite rubric these days, because I've gone wrong so many times because I failed to stop and consider, mm -hmm. is it excess or deficient, right? The branch symptom could be a manifestation of either. It's my job to figure out excess or deficiency because the treatment is so dependent on that kind of understanding. Yeah, we need a clear view of what's happening mm -hmm. in the body. And then after that, like as you know, as 12 acupuncturists, we're going to have 12 different treatments. As long as the root is the same or the basic principle is the same, it should work. Yeah. Well, this gets to what you were saying a few minutes ago that, um, and I don't remember the words exactly, but something to the effect of you don't do protocols, you've got like a process. You're looking to see what's the thing that's going on. You have a lot of latitude to work with the thing once you understand the dynamic. Mm -hmm. It's like when I played music more you have a lot of things you can do with only 12 notes. As long as you understand what you're doing, you sh should be able to play anything. It's like rock or jazz, it's all the same 12 notes. All you need is 12 notes? Unless you go in like semi-tonal and ultra-contemporary music, but basically it's the same 12 notes pretty much everywhere. Same 12 notes rearranged? Yeah. It's like you can write a whole... There's 26 letters, and how many things can we do with 26 letters? Sure. Same thing. Well, I remember seeing a YouTube. Uh, I've, I've been working on learning guitar. Nice. I remember seeing this YouTube where it was like, I can't remember the chord. It was like G, C, D or something. I don't know. One, one of these rock progressions. Yeah. And they go like from song to song to song to song to song of all these very popular songs using just those three chords. Yep. It's all the same, uh, like, basically the same skeleton of a song. Mm -hmm. So you have the basic chord, you change the melody, you change a bit the arrangement or the drum behind that, you change the words, and you have a new song. You have a new song. But the building blocks are the same. The building block, exactly. Yeah, just like medicine. And the chords is like, just a chord by itself doesn't mean much. It's just like play a C chord, it's fine, but whatever you're going to do with that, but put it with a C, then you have an A minor, or an F, or you want to be funky and you go for a C to an E flat major, just inventing things, sorry. But like it's the whole 
how you put them together that makes sense. Same thing with how you put your points combination together in clinic. Mm-hmm. Just one point by itself, probably going to do something, but then mix it with another point, and then like all the magic is coming. I think that's where the magic does come from. And you know, over time, and maybe people have asked you the question too. I'll get questions like, "Well, what's your favorite point?" Mm, all the time. Yeah, my favorite point. Like, for who and when? Uh, like all of them, depending on the person on the table. One thing that we have a lot is student asking for a recipe. Oh, what to do when with facial paralysis, or what to do with you know gastric reflux, or something like. There's a few points that are gonna be in the prescription, but it really depends on the person. You have to think about what the person on the table, where it is in his life right now. Yeah. I would say, for me at any rate, it is the thing about doing acupuncture that is the most enjoyable and interesting thing about acupuncture that I never quite know and that I'm going to find out in the moment and that's going to be some combination of things. I love that piece of it. And then there's this other part of me that's like, damn it, can't I just like pull out a prescription? It's like, oh, this equals that and just do that. I mean, there's days where I wish it was that simple, but most of the time I'm delighted that it's not that simple. It's fun that it's not simple. Mm. I like that. I like to think things through a lot. And even when I'm going to a simple recipe or points combination, I'm always thinking about every needle should be good needle placement for this patient right now. So either is a bit too tired today, I'm going to go maybe less deep, or he's like, I'm just going to flow the channel instead of doing a manipulation with my fingers. If the person is really like, ah, I need to be calm down today, do something and do it fast. So needle are going to be stronger or much more stimulation. Like there's, I don't know, 10, 12 ways to stimulate or to send the correct message with the needles. I get my fun finding the right way for each patient. What well, is a bit like music that way? You know, I know, I know that you're a musician. We've had that in some of our email conversation. And you know, were just talking about chords a moment ago and how chord by itself is one thing. But it's when you put it with other things and the tempo and the pace and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I think about acupuncture combinations. It's like, what other point would go well with this point at this moment for this person? Exactly. It's like if I play classical guitar and I'm going into a jazz ultra fusion band, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. That's not the type of instrument we have in combination with those other ones. Same thing. Yeah. I think that's why I enjoy working with different methods of acupuncture. Because sometimes I'll have someone come in and I'll look at them and I'll hear what's going on. And, and it's just like, oh, yeah, I've got a Sa'am treatment and this is going to rock your world. And there's other days someone comes in and it's like, yeah, that's not what I'm going to use here. I need something like more from the Japanese toolbox. Mm-hmm. That's why acupuncture is an art, I think, because we have to choose exactly the right tool for the right person. So it or be it, you said about some acupuncture, it could be like Dr. Tan mm-hmm. balance method, it could be Japanese, it could be abdominal acupuncture. Like a bit of the art of what we're doing is finding the right, actually the right songs for the right patient. The right songs for the right patients. I love that. Or the right instrument, yeah. depending on how we see it. Yeah. So do you have any 
and again, this is just kind of a broad brushstroke sense that a certain kind of patient might be really helpful. What would be most helpful for them would be like a ton treatment. And maybe another patient, what would be helpful is like from just sort of straight up TCM or, or maybe a Japanese treatment or, or whatever else you do. Are there certain conditions or certain patients or pulses or something that leads you into a direction of thinking, oh, this might be helpful for them? There must be. Of course, there is. At a certain point, there's a lot of intuition. Just like when you're improvising music, like, I feel I'm going this way because that's the right thing to do now. I could spend hours thinking about it after that and say, okay, why do I think that? Okay, it was probably a channel disbalance, so I refer to this, 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 and this. So there's a lot of thinking. And, you know, when we get the pulse, it's like, it's like listening to how the person is uh, kind of vibrating or resonating. Mm-hmm. The pulse is, is a bit like that for me. So I'm, I'm going with what I need. So if I have to play a quiet song or if I have to play like rock metal for the treatment to work, I'll just go with what I feel. Um, I, I should think more about the like intellectual side of this. Well, I mean, I often think about the intellectual side because uh, it, it gives me the illusion of thinking that I know what I'm doing. Mm. <laughs> if I can explain it to myself in a story that makes sense according to the theory and blah, 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 it somehow calms me down and, and gives me a, a sense of having footing. Really, pretty much every time we're sitting with somebody, we're kind of pacing the unknown, mm-hmm. right? Uncertainty is always in the room with us. And so there's this this part of me that is trying to make sense. And then there's this other part of me, like you were just saying, it's more intuitive. It's more a sense of like picking up a scent or a trail of something and following it. I guess with music, it would be listening to what the other players are doing and being in some kind of synchrony with it. Synchronicity, yeah. Intuition is a big part of what I do. Um, it's funny because... You have to get be to have a little background before using intuition, because other than that is just like guess, and you don't really know. Mm-hmm. But intuition is sort of inform, but all the like the knowledge that you have accumulated, and at certain point that knowledge become I don't know second nature, and if you go back, you can analyze like think it back to what you're doing. But I, I really like keeping it intuitive. And acupuncture is an art. Yes. That's what I always do. Yeah, I find I can't be analytical at the same time that I'm being intuitive. It's weird. You can be after that, but on the spot, it's my way to be present with the patient. It's like using my intuition to see, to feel what I need to do. Um, and, and of course, I'm still thinking about needle placement, how deep I'm going, what I am treating. So. Every needle is really, really obsessively, compulsively placed. Like, <laughs> I'm obsessive about needles, man. I'm sorry, I am. But so anyway, it's still at one point, like, I feel I should do this. So there it goes. Mm-hmm. Where do you think intuition comes from? How does that get developed? My suspicion is some people are just a little more intuitive by nature. But I think as in any profession... You can go so far on your natural-born talent, and then there's something that has to be cultivated and developed. So in terms of developing intuition, what are some ways people might go about doing that? 
I would say intuition comes from knowledge, at least for me. Mm-hmm. So I spent the very, like the first few years of working as an acupuncturist, I, I was like working four days a week and all the, the last day, the fifth day, and sometime over the weekend too, I was just reading everything. Like just read, 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 think about the patient, what did I miss, what I should have gone better, all the things. And at a certain point, I feel like knowledge, like I know I don't have a lot compared to what I aim to have as knowledge, but I feel like knowledge, it was give birth to the intuition. Mm-hmm. So if it becomes part of you, the knowledge, and that parts inform your mind without thinking about it. I think I'm actually hearing two things here. I'm hearing the knowledge, and I'm with you on that. I love to read, and I like to think about it. I think that knowledge coupled with experience. Mm, yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because knowledge by itself, I, I remember a guy that I went to acupuncture school with, and he wasn't really interested in practice, but he was very interested in like the theory and the knowledge and how things might work, very scholarly, but never really wanted to practice. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea what he's doing these days, but that made no sense to me. I just couldn't. If I can't somehow have it in my experience, somehow then I don't have a container to put the knowledge into. Oh, it's fun to have a way to drive that knowledge, like being a bit pragmatic too. And okay, so I learned that this, this, this should work. Now I have to do it. Is it going to work or am I going to like, I'm going to forget about this book. I tried it, it didn't work. That's it. everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvellous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. There are definitely things I have studied over the years and I simply take it as a history lesson. <laughs> right? It's like... Me too. That just didn't pan out for me. Maybe that pans out for other people, but not for me. It does for other people. I did a, like a lot of formation, continuing education class on, I don't know, Yamamoto, scalp, acupuncture, abdominal. Uh, I, I did a lot. And all of those works, but I don't feel like I'm connecting with all of those. It's like I can play classical guitar. I can play rock. I can play metal. I can play bluegrass. I'm I'm not a jazz person. I don't play jazz. And jazz does work really well for older people. 
I tried my hand at it. I didn't feel like I'm connecting with it. I know it works, but it works for you. It doesn't work for me. It's fine. Yeah. And it's fun. And when I teach in clinic with the student, it's humbling, man. Like they always come with point prescription or combination they want to try. Like I would never think about that. Like you have a good justification, go try it. Who am I to say it's not going to work? Go try it. If it's not going to work, then I'll, I'll show you what I would do. Mm-hmm. So as a supervisor, then as a teacher, your job is to understand your students thinking in relation to how they're seeing their patient. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I, I did have a lot of guitar teacher back in the time. And some of them, they were going to teach you to a certain point, but don't ever make the mistake to become better than them because now you were part of the competition. Mm. And some of them was just like, all right, you did it. Now go have fun. Like get on the stage, have fun. That's what I like to do with the student is like, have fun. You're not going to work the same as me. Hopefully you'll be better than me when you finish your class. I'm I'm aiming for that, actually. Yeah. Well, I don't know about better. And, and here's the reason why. Because we all have our own way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And no one's going to do it quite the way that we would. My suspicion is, with Chinese medicine, acupuncture in particular, the job is to help people become the kind of practitioner that they have the possibility of becoming. Exactly. Right. And hopefully we can teach them something of our experience. I would think not to make them like us, but to help them understand a principle so they can take that and use it. It's like it's to help them become them, actually. Yeah. So usually the job is just to put on the horse on each side so they don't look too much on each side. Oh, yeah. I think, are they called blinders or blinkers or something like that? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Not sure about the words. Yeah. But just like to keep them in a general direction. So like go there, try everything you want in front of you. Like when you end up your study, that's actually when the fun began. You can like the whole world expand and you can study everything. But just for now, like let's keep it simple. And my job is to keep them toward the right direction. It's not really a, a thing of being better or not because everyone has talents and everyone will do the best they can come up with. Yeah, better was perhaps not the right word for that. Well, I mean, I understand why you said it. I hear it all the time. I find myself saying it when I didn't really mean to say it, but it comes out because, I don't know, maybe just because humans are naturally a little bit competitive with each other and maybe because in our profession, people come to us after they've been to all kinds of other doctors and sometimes we think, well, those other people screwed them up, so it's my job to do it better. Right. You know, I, I think there's a little bit of hubris that goes with that sometimes. I don't know, maybe I've just been at it long enough. When someone comes in and they say, I've been to these three other doctors or four other doctors and nothing's worked and here's how it's been made worse, I always get really nervous because I think, oh God, I'm going to be number five. And there's probably going to be a number six and seven. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're not, but it's challenging. It is challenging. And I actually like, depending on the case, because I like, Sometimes when people come and say, I've, I've been to like three other therapists in town, nobody could help me. Okay, what made you think I can help you first thing? Mm-hmm. Great question. Because what are your goals going to acupuncture? 
Um, so that's always something I check. And that's when the vision of Chinese medicine or East Asian medicine come in. We usually look at the whole body and we leave nothing behind. So it might happen that just a previous therapist missed something because they were looking at that angle. It could be like, I have a few colleagues in town that are like absolutely good with what they do. And just once in a while, we talk about a patient that they might have so that we, we both saw together. Most of the time when they don't have results, they, they just send them to me. And it's like, yeah, but you missed that little part that she didn't want to get better. So we have to work on the shen more than on the elbow. Hmm. I really like your question here of what are your goals for acupuncture? I, I know that I've got a similar question on my intake form, but when I hear you asking it right now in this moment as we're having this conversation, I realize that I'm often not as clear about that and I'm not getting a clear answer from them, mm. which I think might be helpful if I did because they'll have this elbow thing and they got this headache thing and then there's this digestion thing and, and then I discover, they didn't think so, but I discover well, actually their sleep is awful. Mm -hmm. Their digestion's not so good. They didn't know that about themselves, but I think it isn't. And now I've got a laundry list of seven things that I think I'm supposed to be in charge of. That's a heavy lift. That's pressure, man. <laughs> and number one, it's pressure. Absolutely. But the second thing that comes up for me, again, in, in this moment as we're discussing it, I don't know what's really important to them. Mm -hmm. And it might be helpful if I first backed up and knew what's the most important thing for you to get out of this treatment. Sometimes people don't know. They just want to feel better. But you have to dig a little to see what they actually want for the treatment. And might be surprised by the answer sometimes. I'm going to keep an eye on it. I realize that is an area that I have not been as clear about that I could be clearer. Mm -hmm. I use that phrase as teaching because, you know, patients come with a bucket list of problems. Oh, boy. And obviously, the, our students want to treat everything at once. And that's actually made for like 53 needles. It's like, no, it's not going to work. Let's choose one. Talk with your patient. Choose one thing. We'll fix that. And we'll go to the next one and the next one. Or sometimes two at the same time as they fit in the same box. Right. Where sometimes you take care of one thing and three other things get better. Yeah. Taking care about the sleep actually helps everything else. Mm -hmm. So that, that one thing that we want to think about. It's so fun noodling through this kind of thing and, and realizing that sometimes it's the very simple things. Some of the fundamentals, the very basics. that really, first or second year student would be paying attention to, someone who's been in practice for a while, maybe we should still be paying attention to it. Like, why is this person actually here and what is it that they really want? I think that actually came with teaching. Before I started teaching, I was always thinking about doing complicated things, mixing um, two styles together, like standard TCM and TAN or tongue points, just a whole weird thing that did work but it was a bit complicated it's like i don't know playing country with an arc anyway and since i teach it's actually quite humbling because you have all the student with like one week of experience treating patient 
and they try their things and it's all the basic points man it's like stomach 36 like large intestine 4 i don't know all the points in english sorry feel free to say in whatever language works for you do you use french usually or do you like use the point names or point numbers how do you think about it uh well we usually use a bunch of numbers mm-hmm. anyway like liver tree or yin tang mm-hmm. like all the basic points and they get good results it's incredibly humbling and since then i revert back in my own practice at just okay i'll do like four points see what see how it goes so your practice has changed some under the influence of being a teacher. Mm-hmm. It's gotten simpler? Simpler, yeah. And more simpler, but more focused. Mm. Till time where I put like 22 needles in a patient. It really depends on the case, but the basic principles are going to be like simple. And four chords, that's it. Four chords and that's it. Like a pop song. Yeah, I simple and focused... I would say over the years, I have come more to that myself. I used to try to do some of this, some of that, some of the other thing. I'm going to cover all the bases. It's like a soup that has just a few too many spices in it. And so nothing stands out. Yeah. It's not bland, but it's not pleasant either. Exactly. It's actually sad when we eat something that's on paper is supposed to be like so good mm-hmm. and it tastes bland Can every other flavor cancel each other. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, or a musician that tried to put sometimes too many notes. It's just boring sometimes. I think the body appreciates a more direct message. Message. Yeah, I think so too. Do you have some way of as you're working tracking your work i mean it sounds like you spend a lot of time with your needles you're very thoughtful about where they go how you work with them the effect that you're getting do you have some kind of feedback mechanism to see how the body is receiving that message when is the patient there i'm on the table i ask them what they feel if i want the chi to go up it should go up if i want the chi to go down it should go down mm-hmm so on the table, I really like them to tell me what they, sh- they feel and then trying to remember what I did and did work. Yeah. So you're looking for patients to actually have a sensation, a notable enough sensation without your prompting mm-hmm. that they can describe where this chi is headed to. Yeah. And if most of the time, it looks like a, an acupuncture channel. So that that's one. Even if it doesn't, I, I don't care. I, I want them to feel something, but of course, no pain because you don't want patient to feel pain or discomfort. Mm-hmm. Just want to feel like, is it weird? If it's weird, I'm 100% for it. It's like something you never experience, especially if they never had acupuncture before. It's the first time they have a needle. Like, you're going to feel something. It's like putting a middle thing into you. Uh, so, of course, you're going to feel something, but it should not be painful. and like probably I'm going to use a gentler method for needling if it's the first time that I know it's going to work anyway. There's a lot of things we can do with just like following the channel. It's so simple and so gentle and and they're going to feel it too. Mm -hmm. Are there any particular influences, teachers or methods or experiences that you've had that sort of inform who you are as an acupuncturist today? That's a good question. A lot. I can't really think about one person right now. 
and I'm sorry for everyone I know that helped me become what I am today. Of course, at the college, we have a, a pretty good team of teachers. So every discussion that we have over lunch, I'm always learning things. We all have our own um, specialty, but expertise. Mm-hmm. We have the virtuoso of the needle and the, the one that has, I think she has x-rays in her hands. Because put your hands and you feel like everything what's under. So everyone got their little uh, thingy and just like picking the brains of everyone else, uh, picking the brains of every author I have, I read. It's funny because I'm quite, I like to learn by myself too. Yes. So everything, I'm always trying to thinking outside the box a little. So if I learn something, so like, ooh, what else can I do with that? And I'm just like trying a lot of things. I like to try things. I think that's one of the more fun parts of doing the practice is when we get a glimpse of something, it's like, oh, this thing works. Mm-hmm. And here's how I think it works. And if those things are true, then these other things over here might work as well. Yeah. And where is it going to take us? And where is it going to take us? So you have to take a lot of notes. You have to take a lot of notes. I always have my little book of everything I learned. It's like, ooh, this one said that. I'm just writing it for later. And usually I try things on myself mm. before uh, training it to patient. I want to feel what it's like. I'll do it on patients later. I tend to practice new things on myself first. Mm-hmm. Just in case, you know. Well, I, and I want to see what it feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I understand completely. Yeah, when I, when I first started learning this Sa'am stuff, I was needling a lot of Jingwell points on myself. Wow. Take some courage. It did. I, I remember when I first started learning this system and I was looking at all these Jingwell points that you have to use, and I thought, maybe I should study something else. <laughs> I really did. Oh, man, look at these, look at all these Jingwell points here. And then I thought, Michael Max, shut up. You're the acupuncturist. You're a professional. Are you saying you can't needle a Jingwell point? You better learn how to needle those Jingwell points. So I started on me. There you go. Well, yeah, I just think it's helpful. Same thing with herbs. Sometimes I'll, I'll try something new with herbs and, and I'll try it on myself first. I really like the same thing as you. I like to feel what it's going to do to, uh, to my body. Uh, first, and then is it what I want to do on someone else? Mm-hmm. If so, yeah, going to do it again. I think another piece of it for me is I wouldn't ask of my patients something that I wouldn't be willing to ask of myself. Mm-hmm. So that if I'm needling heart nine, which I do on a not unregular basis, then I don't in theory know what that's about. I know what that's about. You know, you experienced it. Yes. Just out of curiosity. And now I'm picking your brain. Mm. In what case would you uh, puncture heart nine? It's like the tonifying points of the heart channel, things like that. It's for tonifying the heart in general. Ooh, nice. Tonifying the heart in general. So what you would do, it's very simple. It's just your basic common five element. Mm -hmm. The first thing you're going to do is tonify the wood point on the wood channel. Because that is going to bring the wood energy up into fire. Okay. So to tonify the heart, you would do the yin wood point, which is liver one. So you need a liver one with the channel because you're tonifying it. Right. That's going to fire up the yin wood. 
which goes into yin fire, that's the heart. Then you needle the wood point on the yin fire channel, that's heart nine. So you brought all this wood energy, you dropped it into yin fire. So that really turns on the heart fire. Must be. Right? I'll try that. Okay. That's only half of it. The other half is you take the constriction of the heart of fire and you turn it completely off. These are not harmonizing treatments. Wow. These are profoundly unbalancing treatments. So you have to find the correct imbalance in your patient to use it because it's not harmonizing. It's the opposite of harmonizing. So you're going to turn off the water control. And so you disperse the water point of the heart. That is heart three. Heart three. Yeah. And you disperse the water point of the water channel. That's kidney 10. So you've just turned off right. all the water. You've cranked up all the fire. All the fire. Wow. This is like acupuncture futsa. <laughs> I'm sure it's working. I'll, I'll try that later today. You can try it later today, but make sure that your patient definitely has cold because they have yeah, yeah. you know an excess of cold before you use the fire. If something's really hypofunctioning, you can use this. But if you see some fire, see some heat somewhere, don't use this. And thank you. <laughs> I want to learn more about next thing is to learn more about Sam. It has a very helpful how do I say this? For me it has knitted together many things about the medicine that I've studied over the years that I couldn't quite integrate it with the other things that I knew, but somehow with this Sam it's kind of weaving things together for me. So everything made sense. It's curious. Well, I'm beginning to understand how the five phases and the six chi interact with each other. I'm beginning to understand something of what a Shaoyin energy is, what a Dreyin energy is, what a Taiyang energy is. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It is pretty fun. It sounds incredible. And it actually sounds quite simple. I, I don't know the style yet. I would say the treatments are simple. The treatments are simple. The treatments are dead simple. In fact, they're almost protocolish. They're so simple. But the diagnostics behind it are anything but simple. Mm. Well, if you want to like turn up the water and crank up the heart, you have to make sure it's going to do something. Well, you have to make sure you're doing it for the right person. Yeah, yeah, for the right person. Exactly. Yeah. If they're already warm or if they've got hot flashes and that kind of thing, sweating, you definitely don't want to do that. You would use the opposite. And this is where Sa'am gets really weird because the heart is balanced not by the small intestine, it's balanced by the urinary bladder. <laughs> oh, the relation of the kidney, biaoli. That's interesting. Yes, yes. There you go. You're, you're seeing it. Yeah, the organ pairings are different than what you're used to seeing in a, in a Chinese medicine clinic. So next instruments I'm going to learn, it would be Sam. Mm. Seems fun. Yeah, well, maybe we can have a class up at your school or something. That would be fun. That would be really fun. Yeah. Well, we have to talk more about that. Yeah, we can do that offline. We can do that off podcast time. I want to come back to your teaching because I don't even know what an acupuncture school looks like these days. It's been so long since I've been in one. And I can recall from the emails that we've had that you are seeing 
students who span the ages of like, what, in their 20s to in their 50s? And more. And more. Yep. We have people coming in. I'm not sure if it's, it's the same as uh, in the United States, but here the acupuncture program is actually uh, government funded. So it's not that expensive to learn acupuncture in Quebec. That is the opposite of what it's like in the United States. There's actually a lot of things that I think we have opposite view of. Anyway, we're not going into that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not that expensive to learn, we have a lot of people coming in. Like We usually take between 60 and 70 people a year to learn acupuncture out of like 200 applicants. Like we have young people who just finished high school and they, they want to learn as well as people who have their second career sometimes or they had their career they're in their 50s, they want to do something else and now they come in acupuncture. And so it's fun that everyone's bring their own experience of life. And it's funny because I get to teach to people who, are, who could be my mother or my father sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like most of the time, it's more like a discussion. Of course, I can show them things, but have to figure how they think. Or I don't know if a mechanic comes in for learning acupuncture. I'm probably using like lawnmower metaphors to make him understand. So that's what I like when musicians come to study acupuncture. Those metaphors I knew. <laughs> there we can have an uh, I don't know an hairstylist who comes and she'll be really looking at people's head and. While it's his, her, let's say, her second nature. So, like, do you know that you can analyze a lot of things by looking at the head of people? Like, are the hair brittle? Are the head falling? Like, you can use what you know how to observe and use it in Chinese medicine. That's a thing that it's fun to do. Yeah, that's a great point. So, take their experience. You can take their experience. You can give them some Chinese medicine ideas that fit that. They can go back to whatever they're doing. That hairstylist, as they are learning Chinese medicine, can go back to doing their hairstylist work. Mm -hmm. And now they're paying attention to how a face looks. And maybe they're learning some face reading. And they're paying attention to the quality of the hair. And noticing that their client maybe has a red tip to their tongue. You know, or maybe they've got like a pale tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, how's your digestion these days? <laughs> and most of the people doing their studies continue to work. So it's really the time like, okay, go observe, try things. And when you have your diploma, then you can tell them to come in the clinic. You'll already be used to observe people and make your, an idea of their problem. Just this week, uh, like I was talking to a student and she was saying like, that's weird. Now, every time I speak to someone, I'm just like really focusing on the tongue, <laughs> like trying to get a glimpse of the tongue while just talking. Like, yeah, that happens. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. 
the Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. I think one of the things that's so delightful about Chinese medicine is because it is this very wide system. And of course, herbs and acupuncture are tremendous tools. Mm -hmm. But we can also take the principles of it and bring it into other aspects of life so that you could be working with somebody. Again, I'm going to come back to the hairdresser because that's easy. Your hairdressers are already talking to their clients. There's, There's usually a conversation. They already notice a lot of things. And they notice a lot of things. And there's things that you could find out about your patients or your client and start running it through that Chinese medicine matrix that's now starting to form in your head. Mm -hmm. You can better understand who that person is. Maybe you could even help them with whatever work you're doing already. Or just tell them to, I don't know, drink water. Drink water without ice. And without ice. Yeah. That's a good thing. Or like stop the smoothies. Yeah. I've had so many conversations with women who insist on drinking an icy cold smoothie around their period. Wow. Well, you and I go wow. Yeah. yeah. And of course, I can't think of any Chinese, well, maybe some modern Chinese women, but certainly, you know, most Chinese women wouldn't ever think of doing a thing like that. But of course, we can talk to our patients like that and say, well, let's see, when you've got those menstrual cramps, you're not putting ice on your belly, are you? And of course, they look at me like I'm insane. No, no, I want heat on my belly. It's like, right. But for breakfast, you just put ice in your belly, not on it, in it. And they're like, I never thought about it that way. It's, it's Chinese medicine is so simple sometimes. Sometimes. Not all the times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think the principles are simple. But the manifestations that come out of those principles, that's where it gets tricky. And that's why I'm always trying to relate to something people know. So for me, learning Chinese medicine was like, I told you, like a new instrument. Mm. But I'm using, I'm always thinking about music when I'm practicing acupuncture as well. I'm, I'm tuning people because that's the way my brain is wired. I did music for, I don't know, 20 years, 20 something years. So I, like all my brain is wired thinking about chord progression and uh, technical stuff and how to exactly place a finger so that the note is right, perfect sounding. All this came into acupuncture when I'm practicing, when I'm teaching. But I can't really talk about music to students who don't play music. Like, yeah, it's like when you shift your hands from C to D, like do that and it's going to work. It's not going to work if they don't know what I'm talking about. So I have to refer to what in their world, what they know. It's fun to find a way to their brain. It's quite fun. Yes. So a lawnmower repair person. Mm-hmm. Let's say. 
would have to learn to approach acupuncture as a lawnmower repair person would approach fixing a lawnmower. Could be. And you know, out of my head, if you know when we do treatments, it might take like two or three treatments because before it's going to work, before the effect of the treatment is going to kick in really. Same thing as when you start your lawnmower like at the first day in the summer, you probably have to crank it two or three times before it works. Maybe. It, I think it is that way sometimes. I think there's something else. And, and again, I love these conversations because things just come to mind in the moment of conversation. I'm thinking about the patients where maybe the treatment hasn't gone so well, mm-hmm. hasn't landed for them. My suspicion is it's probably less to do with that I need to pull on the cord of that lawnmower a few times. I think it's got more to do with I think they're a certain kind of person and I treated them that way, but that's not the kind of person they are. Yeah. The problem is not them. The problem is that I didn't dial in what they needed. Mm -hmm. I didn't see them clearly enough for who they were. It could be too. I played the wrong song. I played the wrong song. They don't like bluegrass. They don't. Yeah, exactly. I love bluegrass. They don't like bluegrass. All right. Everything is like, all the people with their suit and all tidy up mm. and you play bluegrass. They're respecting classical music, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you figure out who it is on your table so you can play them the right tune? Mm, a lot of things. Observation. I like to see how people talk, move, how brightness in their eyes, tongue, of course. And like, you know, we ask a lot of questions. I do ask a lot of questions. Actually, sometimes people don't and it's okay. Uh, I do ask a lot of questions and the pulse with all those teeny tiny little things that should make sense at some point. I figure, okay, I need to tune up this person, like um, go up on the D string and go down on the E string. And when I play a chord, it should sound good. So it's like, I really feel like the only way I can describe it is, you know, when you try a new instrument, like I have the the instrument on me and struck a chord and just, I want to feel it vibrate. Mm. And I want to feel like, is it shaking me to the core or is this like just resonating by itself with anything else? So a lot of time I see patient like instrument and just like trying things, touching here and there. Is it too hot there? Uh, is it too tight on this place? So put the balance together is like, it's really like tuning an instrument. And sometimes we need to, I don't know, change the strings or send it to the guitar maker because there's a hole in it. I don't know. I'm not going to help if someone has a broken arm. It's not my job. But anyway, my view is I'm really thinking about tuning people. I love that image of holding a guitar, striking a chord. What does it sound like? What does it feel like? Mm-hmm. Putting in a needle. What does it sound like? What does it feel like? What's the tissue like? What's the response from the patient? Did their breath change? Did their pulse change? What's happened to their complexion? Is this same thing as putting needle as when you play in front of people? Like, it doesn't happen, but when you play and at some time you feel like you can control when people are breathing or not just by playing like play a phrase and you know that they're gonna hold their breath until the resolution of that just line of melody 
or you just hold the nut a little bit more and people are like, oh, okay. And <laughs> that's how I tune people. And I put the needle, I'm listening into what it does on the body. I know like other people take the pulse like two, three times during the treatment. Mm-hmm. That That's the way to do that. You just want to see what it's going to work. And, and sometimes you improvise a little because, oh, like I didn't think about it. I'm just like, poof, putting the needle just way around or another angle, a little bit deeper sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's like putting your finger a little differently on the fretboard. Exactly. I love your image. Again, you, you're a musician, and so you can do this. You can bring that sensibility into your practice of using the needle like you would use a melody to interact with somebody's chi, have them hold their breath or release their breath or create an anticipation or a kind of release. There's a, there's a sensibility that you have from your previous experience of working with people's chi mm-hmm. using music. I forget what the word is, but there's a word. What happens in a concert when you play? You feel like your instrument is vibrating from the crowd, from the, the public. Mm. There's a word for that. No, I didn't invent it. I'm sure it does exist. But it's really when you're in the zone. Mm-hmm. And there's a quite few a few times when I played and everything else just go black. There's like two hands, a guitar, people, and you really feel like there's a exchange between. You totally get out of the way of the experience. Mm-hmm. That's what I do with people. They have to, the needle, I'm just like a conduit for the needle or for the music they need to get better. Could be someone else. It's going to work too. Oh man, I want to come and get a treatment from you. It sounds delicious. So this is kind of a pivot. It's a little bit of a a shift. There's something that I've been wanting to ask you because I know that you're a musician and we've talked about music and we talked a little bit about guitar making. There's a book that I read some time back. It's called Clapton's Guitar and it's a story of... Mm. Are you familiar with that book? Well, uh, told me about it. I still have to find it on Amazon. It's an amazing book about this guitar maker it could take him 10 years to make a guitar because he just makes a guitar in his own sweet time. Thank you very much. Even if it's for someone like Eric Clapton and someone asked someone who knew him about like, what goes into making a great guitar like so-and-so makes. And the guy says, well, there's probably about 1200 different things. The most important being the state of mind of the guitar maker as he's making the guitar. Mm, the presence. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sweat. <laughs> and I know that you have built a guitar. I have. I actually built two for fun. First one was kind of a IKEA thing guitar. Well, all the pieces were really like pre-cut, just as like gluing, assembling. The electronics was to do too. Mm-hmm. That was fun, uh, but not fun enough. <laughs> so the second one, I said, okay, I had like a glimpse at what it of what it takes. Let's do a from scratch from just wood planks. Um, so starting with the shape, what wood, what parts like the pickups, everything's. I'm nerding out on this, but like the scale length of the guitar. Mm-hmm. So when when you play the, some guitar have a longer like fretboard, let's say, than others. So for instance, Gibson have a shorter, it's like a twenty four point seventy five ish um, inches scale length. Fenders have a 25.5, so for a shorter hand, a shorter scale end is fun. So anyway, uh, all those things have to really be 
decided in advance. And actually, you got to know your shit when you do that. Because mm -hmm. make one mistake and all the rest is like, it sounds bad. So I have a, if we go for the scale length, I actually set up for a scale length, like kind of in between Gibson and Fender, mm -hmm. like a PRS, and it's 25 inch. So it does have a lot of oomph in the string, but it's kind of easy to play too, because there's a bit of a middle in between those. So all the frets now have to be divided at the exact millimeter to have the right sound. So if there's too much space in between frets, it won't sound good. They won't sound the right notes. So that's one thing. Um, type of wood. Wood density will influence what kind of uh, sound the guitar will make. Uh, so, of course, you have to think about that. I built an electric guitar, so which pickup you put into it will also influence. So it would be single call, unbuckers, with split coils. Anyway, there's like a ton of things. So much detail. That's crazy. I did learn a lot. It actually took me two years to do to build a second one. Because um, you did it from scratch. From scratch, and like you said, in the time that I had, so a couple hours now and then like 200 hours, probably more on that. The finishing will also impact the sound. Um, so you put a like super thick varnish on it that will prevent the wood to move. Or you put like a thinner finish. It will be better for the sound, perhaps. It will resonate a bit more, but it, would, yes, it yes. will get, uh, long term, it will probably get used. It's always trade-offs. It's trade-offs. You have to put right in the middle. And the uh, funny thing is, like, I didn't know as much, but there's quite a lot of science involved. So all the, just for all the electronics that goes into a guitar, why you do have to know what goes where and how to ground things so you don't get electric shock when you play? It's that bad. <laughs> so here's what I'm curious about, because we were talking about presence. Mm -hmm. And we talk about presence a lot in Chinese medicine. Because it's an important piece. And the same goes with playing music and the same goes with making instruments. What I'm curious to know about is your experience of building your guitar from scratch. Mm -hmm. How's that like Chinese medicine? Funny thing is, there's a lot of background knowledge included that you have to know, you have to think about, you have to analyze a lot of things. But in the end, like the guitar has to play well. You put it in someone else's hand. It won't can take about any specifics that the guitar have. If it does not play well, like it's not worth it. It's not you won't pay even a hundred dollars for it. Same as in Chinese medicine. When I do a treatment, patient usually doesn't care if I do, uh, you know, Doctor Tan. If I do standard uh, TCM, if I use uh, orthopedic, if I use abdominal acupuncture, the patient all he wants is like I want to feel better, and if I feel better. Usually that one person wants to know everything on every point that you do. Uh, but usually they just want to like lie down and feel better after the treatment. Just like when you play an instrument, I'm learned. So I look at the specific, but at the same time, I just like, I take the guitar if it resonates with me. And if I play well, if I don't have to like think about the technique to use on that specific guitar, because that string is a bit weird. So the main thing is to not think about all the background. And you just want it to work. You've got a tune you want to play. You've got a life you want to live. Yeah, exactly. And you just don't want anything to get in the way of it. And the better instruments are like that. They are so 
crazy specifics on how they react to the on like the surrounding environment. Like the guitar I use in concert, guitar that more than a couple thousand dollar guitar. But if there's a slight, slight change in temperature, in humidity, in uh, air pressure, I don't know, name it, mm -hmm. the guitar will react like instantly. So if I say I, I just warm up a bit uh, off stage in the background, like rooms off stage, warm up a bit. The room is like I don't know, 22 degrees Celsius with 40% humidity. Go back on stage. Stage is a perhaps a bit hotter or whatever the guitar always it's, it's like out of tune right away it's so specific so you want a sensitive instrument but not too sensitive well most guitar especially classical guitar but and most orchestra they always tune when they get on stage for the first time so you do that in your fine for the rest of the show or you tune in between each songs okay uh rock concert you know they switch guitar quite a lot Sometimes it's different tuning, but sometimes it's how the guitar reacts. Uh, and funny thing, when I used to work with athletes and dancer, circus uh, artists, things like that, or musician even, they really are like fine-tuned instruments. Like they know their bodies in and out, and they'll come and they say like, I noticed that my uh, I don't know big toe is a bit crook and i feel it's like doing something weird in my hips so when i do this move when i dance i don't feel like it should not moving the way it should be so like people are like fine-tuned instrument when they really notice what happened in their body and that's fun working with them because they notice everything you do in some ways it doesn't matter what our technique is what matters is that we help Get them tuned back up. Oh, yeah. For them, what matters is the results. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it matters to all the patients. Yeah, really. Uh, they don't care what formation you have, where you come from. They don't even care if it's a physical therapist, an acupuncturist, and like massage therapist. They just know that they have to get back on stage uh, like tonight. And there you go. I had one uh, very nice patient who always come for neck pain. She was a circus artist. like. I don't know if you, uh, not sure about the word, but they're like ropes suspended on from the ceiling. Oh, like uh, aerial, they call them aerial artists? Aerial artists. Or trapeze or aerial artists? It was just a, a band of uh, tissue, not a string, but sort of a band. Yeah, like a fabric. I don't know what the technical term is. I just think of them as playing up in the air. Aerial artist, I think is. Aerial artist. Yeah. Uh, aérien in French, but. Anyway, so she was doing that show every night. All was going well, but she had like this little neck pain that wouldn't go away. So uh, I really like to see patients perform. It's it's fun. I like to see go see a show of dancer, musician, whatever. I like to be there once in a while. So the end of her numero performance, she was just suspended by the neck to her fabric and spinning around. The only thing that was holding her was her neck. Obviously, she has neck pain, because that's crazy. <laughs> so, anyway, that was one. You know, sometimes it helps to see what our patient is actually doing when they're performers. You, you, it does. You might have that opportunity to see it. It's like, you've got neck pain. Well, I'm a performer. I do this aerial work. i got this neck pain. It's like, oh, you're hanging by your neck. That was the final of the number. So, oh, of course. There it is. 
Atim, thank you so much for your time today. I can't believe an hour has already slipped by so quickly. It's fast, huh? Well, thank you for inviting me. That's quite an honor to be there. Thank you very much. Delighted. And please continue to do what you do because I'm learning so much whenever I listen to your podcast. Well, in some ways, it's kind of easy to do this because I'm just sitting down and having a conversation with a colleague about something we're both interested in to really punctuate your most recent point. It's fun. It's fun. Learning is fun. Exploring medicine is fun. And beyond fun, I mean, this is what I do. This is what I do in the world. This is what you do in the world. People that are listening to this, this is how we make our daily bread. And this is how we make the meaning in our life Mm -hmm. and hopefully contribute to our communities. And so the opportunity to sit in a conversation for an hour is a real delight for me. Now, of course, there's all the back-end stuff that has to happen, you know, to make a podcast work. But these moments of conversation are, I think, a gift that the people that come onto the podcast really give to the profession to, to share what you're thinking and what you're experiencing. So, I am honored to be there, of course. And thank you. I just thought about something if we have, like, three seconds more. Mm. Um, you know, when I'm speaking about having fun, I just remember a show. It was during a festival I was playing, but during the afternoon. And over the night, there was guitar legend Hal Dimiola was there. So I'm not sure if you know the guy, but huge name, guitar. Um, so he was there, but the percussionist couldn't, it was incorrect. So the percussionist couldn't like go through the front tire. Couldn't get out of the United States to come to Canada for visa or anything. Oh, couldn't get in. Couldn't get in. Mm. So Aldi Miola was like, okay, well, we do the show anyway. So it's not going to be the show that we're supposed to do because we're missing a guy. We'll just like do something and have fun and uh, hopefully you'll like it. And so for like the first hour, he's a, he just jammed with his musician and it was like so good. But check this for the second hour. He's saying like, oh, I heard that during the festival, this guy is here, which is, I think, a French jazz guitarist called Sylvain Luc. I never talked to him, but I really like what he does. So he uh, his hair around somewhere, give him a guitar, let's invite him on the stage. So you have this guy, Aldi Mula from the States and Sylvain Luc, I think he's from France, but not sure. But they both go on the stage. And they start like playing just, you know, when I say it's the self 12 notes, they really understand each other. They were speaking through music and laughing and all the bassmen behind them. And uh, there was a drummer, not a percussionist, but the drummer was there. So it ended up being a jam music session for like an hour and a half. And they were just having fun on stage. And it was, first of all, incredibly humbling. And of course, I wanted to quit playing after that because there's no way I'm going to reach that at any point. But that's another story. Well, that's the reason to keep playing. And not so that you reach that, but so that you have the potential and the opportunity that when that kind of a situation shows up like it did for those two, you can step in and do something. Yeah. And they choose to have fun instead of canceling the show. Fun instead of canceling the show. Yeah. Have fun. I love that. That's the whole point of everything, having fun. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this little geological jam session. 
That was an honor. Thank you for inviting me. That's a great honor. Thank you. Thank you. Learning is at the core of our work. There's not a day that goes by that we don't refine our understanding of medicine. And when it comes to medicine, it's not just what we learn in clinic. Other aspects of our lives, be it music, writing, sports, raising children, or caring for aging parents, or even watching a vegetable garden grow through the seasons of sprout and harvest, anything we learn can have a reflection in medicine. As a patient of mine likes to say, school's always in session. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.